Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. It's been a couple of weeks since we had a show, and we're coming back with a barn burner. We have an absolutely fabulous guest that you all are going to just treasure and love. You're going to really enjoy our guest today. I want to welcome all of you. We have so many loyal listeners, and the numbers of people who listen just keep going up. I was surprised how many people continue to listen Even as I went on a little break during the holidays, I'm like, wow. So I thank all of you. And for those who are tuning in the first time, again, I welcome you to Off the Shelf for this Saturday, January the 12th. Happy New Year to those I didn't get to say Happy New Year to. And I want to thank you for joining us here this morning. It is an absolute joy having you here with us. For those who are tuning in the first time, I want to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always say, I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. And thank you, thank you for your support. Please go tell your family, your friends, your colleagues, book lovers, people who just love to be entertained and educated, inspired, et cetera, et cetera, to tune in to Off the Shelf on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And I encourage you before I, I, I go on any further and introduce you to this fabulous guest we have waiting to, to join us this morning, I want to encourage you, don't let another day pass before you pick up a copy of Love Pour Over Me. This is a powerfully moving, inspirational book, the, the friendships and the relationships including one very, very deep romantic relationship, will truly, truly move you. And you can get Love Pour Over Me today from online and offline retailers everywhere, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Google Books, iTunes, you name it. If you don't see it on the store shelves, just ask the clerk for it. They can order a copy for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. Our special guest is known by so many people. She's worked in the entertainment industry for many, many years. You're going to love her spirit. You're just going to absolutely treasure her. And she is Pat George Walker. In addition to being the author of the books, Holy Mayhem, Cruising on Desperation, Sister Betty, I love Sister Betty. Sister Betty, God's calling you again. Some would say, somebody's sinning in my bed, and no ordinary Noel. Pat is also a Christian comedian, and I'm sure she would love, and I mean absolutely love it. You visit her online at www.patgeorgewalker.com, and that's P-A-T-G-O-R-G-E-W-A-L-K-E-R. And one more time, P A T. G-O-R-G-E-W-A-L-K-E-R.com. You can, this is one of the great things about Internet radio. If you're on the Internet right now, you can actually click over to her website, check out her work, and listen to her on the interview, both at the same time. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Off the Shelf, Pat. Well, thank you. Happy New Year, Denise. I'm delighted to be here, and I can't wait to get this party started. Such a you are such a treat. I know our listeners, oh my goodness, they are going to so enjoy you. You have been one busy lady. I just listed some of your books and I've read some of Pat's work, by the way, to our listeners, and I'm telling you, you want to get a copy of, of, of one or more of her books. You've written so many books. Did you read a lot when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Oh yes. I I was reading before I entered elementary school. Wow. Wow. How old were you, Pat, when you realized you were a writer? Um, You did a lot of reading. How old were you before you you knew you'd become somebody writing books other people would enjoy? Well, I always loved to write because I loved to read. But I I tell people uh, quite often that the nicest compliment I got was from my third grade teacher who was still living who told me that she wasn't surprised that I became a writer because I was the biggest liar she had in the third grade. <laughs> so I took that as a compliment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I used to walk around behind her telling all these whoppers because I had such an imagination, you know. 
Mm-hmm. And she would listen. I, I love that woman, Miss Bobby Madison Mackey out of Williamson, South Carolina. She never tried to turn my gifts off. She would just mm. and listen. But she wouldn't let me stray too far before she'd rein me back in and say, okay, now you know that's not true. And I was <laughs> up and down. But I went to the moon, and when I came back, I brought the <laughs> Oh, you're a mess. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Which, which which did you try your hand at first before we start talking about your books? Which did you try your hand at first? Comedy, because you also did comedy, and I know you worked with a music company. Did you start out in the industry with comedy or book writing? Actually, I started out singing. I used oh. to sing uh, with a doo-wop group many years ago for all you young folks. And I sang with a group called Arlene Smith and the Chantels. And we had hits like Maybe, The Plea, He's Gone, Look in My Eyes, you know, things like that. Get out of here. Then I went, you know, then I sang with another group called Fantasy. And I was like in, you know, did did stand-ins for like the Marvelettes. And wow. All of, that, all of that craziness that happened back then. But then I went into the business side of it and did promotion and marketing for Def Jam and Columbia and uh, Epic and S&D Records and things of that nature. But as far as the comedy goes, I'm a PK kid times two. Both my parents were preachers and pastors. My mother was Church of God in Christ, you know, Pentecostal, and my father was Baptist. So you better have a sense of humor. <laughs> you know, you you, you got to laugh. You got to laugh. Yeah. And my little side thing, as I call it, was writing little short stories and monologues and poetry and plays and things like that, which I never really took serious because I wasn't making money off of it back then. But it was something that, you know, I had a passion for. Mm-hmm. Well, you but, have done... Um, you know, life is strange. That's all I can tell you. I, I I never I don't recall. I know I've I've we've I think I've interviewed you before, and I don't remember. That is interesting. I wonder how many people who enjoy your work know you used to sing. I oh my goodness, goodness, Pat, you are multi multi talented. Well, I knew you. I haven't even figured out what I'm going to be when I grow up yet. <laughs> and that's what I tell my great grandchildren. I don't know. Wow. I'm, I'm, what what a journey. Where in the world did you get the idea, you have to tell us, for Sister Betty? Oh, my goodness. Well, it started like this. Many, 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 many years ago, <laughs> right after the Ice Age, uh, <laughs> I lived in South Carolina <laughs> with my grandmother. You know how you go down there for the summer and yeah. you end up there in like three or four mm-hmm. years? Mm-hmm. One of those situations. <laughs> and okay. my younger sister uh, poured some kerosene on some hot coals and caught on fire. And the fire traveled up her chest and she had burns <gasps> on her third on her throat. And I believe Ollie might have been, let me see, if I was around nine, I think she had to be like about seven. But anyway, in the back then, you know, in the woods, so to speak, in the country, where we still had the outhouse, you know, and pumping water and kerosene lamps and all that other old good stuff, they didn't have doctors, but they had people in the community, one or two people in the community who knew a little something about herbs and doctoring, you know, and stuff like that. So they called for this woman named Miss Lena, and Miss Lena well, this little short woman, just the way I described Sister Betty is how Miss Lena was. Short, brown, you know, brown-skinned woman, uh, kind of quirky, you know. Mm-hmm. And she showed up, and the children were put out of the room because, you know, we weren't supposed to be in there with her. But we were looking through the curtains, and I saw her take this white handkerchief, and she chewed something up in her mouth, and then she spat it into the handkerchief, and she started mumbling words over it. Now, I don't know if, it was, if she was talking in tongues or what, but I just remember she was mumbling words. And she put that poultice, as they called it, on my sister's throat. Now, my sister was dark-skinned, and her throat was raw. And she put the poultice on there, 
And in less than a month, my sister was up, out of bed, talking, running around. And when Arlene passed uh, at the age of 60, she didn't. She still didn't have a scar. Wow. And I forgot Miss Lena. So mm. when I started creating the, the Sister Betty character, the awe that this woman inspired in me is what I poured into Sister Betty. Wow. I'm glad I asked you that. You know, and that's something that readers with writers, um, I was driving home and I heard about an event, Nicholas Sparks, and they make it sound like an event. And you can come there and ask questions like in a large uh, 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 auditorium or space. People want to know how did you, they often want to know how did you even come up with your characters. That is very intriguing, very interesting. Makes Sister Betty seem that more, much more intriguing. Does she make an appearance, Sister Betty, in all of your books? Um, she made a cameo in Holy Mayhem, as well as um. As well as Don't Blame the Devil, which, by the way, is my favorite. But pretty much, except I don't think she was in somebody sitting in my bed, which, by the way, is based on, uh, I believe it was St. John, the 8th chapter, the 3rd through the 11th verse, where the woman was caught in a very act of adultery. Mm-hmm. So Jesus came along just in time to keep the church folk from stoning her. And I always wondered, well, if she was caught in the very act of it, why they didn't throw her homeboy out there to get stoned too? Yes, yeah. And I thought about the differences that church folks make between the women leaders of the church and the male leaders of the church. So that's how that's what spurred that particular story. Wow. Now, I haven't read all your books, but I have read some of your work, and I have truly enjoyed it and find myself laughing out loud. As I read your work, why does <coughs> Sister Betty, why does she think it's her job to keep everybody on a straight and narrow? Well, you know, after she got that telephone call from Jesus, you know, <laughs> <laughs> every time she uh, pain in her knee, she thinks she's on a mission for the Lord, you know. But how? I guess the reasoning behind that starts with starts with my experiences. And as a PK kid, when I, you know, used to go to church, I would hear a great message. And then by the time I would get to the door to go home, somebody would say something stupid or do something stupid to just take that message away. And I would go home and write about these people. And in my writing, the Sister Betty character was always the one trying to set these folks straight. Because I truly believe that you can't say you love God whom you've never seen. Yes. And nasty to people you see all the time. Mm. So that's, yeah. that, that's really the crux behind what she does. Now, you, 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 you sort of, I want to nest, say nest your message inside a lot of humor. Do you have readers that come up to you and say to you, they got the message? Oh, or do yeah. they? Or do they basically just the the humor, the characters, the laughing at the characters? Because if you listen to a comedian, a stand up comedian, they tell so much truth in in their comedy that, but they're so funny that you can miss the message. Do people come up to you and say, you know what, I got it, or I've decided to stop gossiping after I read, or do you get that from readers? Y- yes, I do, and you know, by me traveling around with my one woman show. The, my readers and other uh, people who haven't read my books, you know, are also introduced to these characters. So my purpose for uh, having the Sister Betty show, one woman show, was to let people see visually and let them take that journey with Sister, Be- Sister Betty as she tries to, you know, not only straighten out other folks, but, you know, she wasn't all that right herself when she got started. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, in answer to your question, yes, they do. And I'm often amazed how the Sister Betty uh, persona has crisscrossed across the nation. I mean, it doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are. People get it. And the funny thing about it, Denise, is how God has worked it out. 
because one of the worst experiences I had when I did live with my grandmother in South Carolina was experiencing segregation. And some of the same, I won't say the same people, because most of them are probably dead by now, but that same town of Pelza, South Carolina, by the way, which is the town that all my books, you know, are set in, those same people flew me in about maybe three or four years ago. And, uh, no, twice, as a matter of fact, I think they brought me down there. And those those white people treated me like I was a queen. They love Sister Ben. Wow. Oh, and my you know, goodness. When the, when the Bible says God will make your enemies your footstool. Oh, my goodness. That's truly, I mean, that that's just the truth. Wow. And then I thought that... that First, I thought that they would never find out that I was writing about Pelza, South Carolina. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people would ask me, well, is there such a place as Pelza? And I said, yeah, you know, there is. They got about 100 folks in it, but there is such a place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what happened was, to my knowledge, a couple of the uh, folks, because it's mostly a white town, a couple of the people there came across Sister Betty in a library. And when they saw Pelza, they decided to read it. Mm-hmm. Well, they loved it so much, they went out all and about, you know, Anderson and Greenville and Belton, Piedmont, those areas, and let people know about Sister Betty. Wow. That is something. That, oh, my goodness. And, well, and you know, when I went down there, uh, the first, the second time, I think, when I went down there, I walked into the library where I was going to, you know, be performing and having a book chat. And, girl, there were so many white people in there. I thought I had walked in on somebody else. <laughs> I thought I had walked in on somebody else's chat. I didn't know this was way to Oh, that's funny. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I'm oh, telling you, it, uh, as a matter of fact, um, I was in Mexico, and I guess... Somebody had seen me before, whatever. And I'm walking in the streets of Mexico, Cozumel, and somebody hollered out Sister Betty. Wow. So, you know, that's a very humbling experience because I take what I do very serious because of the message. Yeah, yeah. And and you're you're obviously... You obviously are are, are reaching reaching folks. Before we talk about your new book, can you let our off-the-shelf listeners who they're just being introduced to you. Can you tell us, those who haven't read Sister Betty God's Calling You, can you give our listeners a synopsis of the book? Well, Sister Betty God's Calling You Again is about the main character, Sister Betty, and her journey with her church. And the name of her church is the Ain't Nobody Right But Us, All Others Going to Hell Church. And it's pastored by the Reverend Not Enough Money. <laughs> and the overseer is Bishop Was Never Called. And they have parishioners such as Mother Pray On and 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 her daughter, that man chasing Sister Carry On, and Deacon Laid Hands and, and the choir director, Mother Tis My Thing, you know, and that snuff dipper Marcel, which, by the way, is based on my actual grandmother, my real grandmother, who did dip snuff and act just as crazy and had one eye, just like Marcel in the book. And um, what I tried to do, the way the Lord gave it to me, was instead of calling people Sister Red and Mother Brown and things of that nature, I would take their flaws and turn that into the characters' names. Okay. And then try to show how to address that uh, that flaw or that character flaw in a biblical sense, but without preaching and knocking folks upside the head. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, church folks are funny. Yeah, you they really you, are. Well, see, you've been around. You said both your parents were preachers, mm-hmm. so you have you have a long history of dealing with folks. I'm sure at different. Churches, you know, when people, other churches come to fellowship with you. So you've seen it, you know, across the board. And you've probably seen some common things. Denise, and- I see comedy all the time. I'm telling you, one of the reasons why people can get so much into my books and out of my books is because they know these folks. They know mm-hmm. them. They may mm-hmm. not call them by the same name, 
but they know them. And there's two characters that have been in all the Sister Betty books, the two church mothers, B and Sasha, which the pastor calls B.S. (laughs) (laughs) And B and Sasha are based on two women that I actually knew. Well, I had described Sasha so well that the, some of the people from her church, the real Sasha's church, oh. came to me and told me I need to cut it out. So they knew it. You know what I was talking about? Oh my God! Oh my God. Those church mothers are so notorious that I've had people say that they they have to you know run for cover as soon as they hear B and Sasha's name before they realize B and Sasha are not real people. They yeah. But those two church mothers have been a thorn in Sister Betty's side for years. And I love them. I love Dee and Sasha. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. I, I cannot tell our listeners how much you will enjoy. Uh, oh, my goodness. These books, I, they, they are hilarious. There's a message in them. And you, you will just want to keep reading to see. What they do things that almost to me, I know you said that people tell you they they know somebody in real life like this, but Sister Betty and them are a little over the top. They do something so outlandish that you just keep reading to find out what is the next crazy thing that these folks are going to do. It, 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 and they mean well. They mean well. And well, not your, me and Sasha. They know exactly what they do. <laughs> yeah, some of the characters mean yeah. well, but they it it. it it is. I mean, you do a fabulous job uh, uh, with your characters. Some of them, some of the situations are over the top, and I have to put it over the top because they are so crazy. But the odd thing about it, take for instance in the book Cruising on Desperation. Now there was a scene in that book that happened in Mexico, where Sister Ima Hellraiser got in, you know, and the rest of the crew got into all this trouble. And people, if there was one criticism about that book, was some people said, oh, we can't believe that happened. But the odd thing about it was that it did happen. Yeah. It happened to me, Arthur Maxine Thompson. Wow. Arthur Sarah Freeman Smith. <laughs> so the things that they think wouldn't happen actually happened. Wow. And then Sister, Sister Betty, God's calling you again, was Sister Ima Hellraiser nearly tore McDonald's down because they wouldn't take that coupon? I had that experience. I mean, you know, I wasn't slipping and sliding in the secret sauce or nothing. But I did get upset because they wouldn't take my coupon because it wasn't lunchtime yet. (laughs) And in that same book, when Marcel went into the bathroom and refused to pay that woman for toilet paper, when she for toilet paper, and when she got in there and had to draw down around her ankles and realized there was nothing on the walls, but scribble, scrabble, and she had to open the door and pay that woman a quarter of sheep. Well, that actually happened to me in the uh, in, in the ruins in Mexico. I went there, me and my husband went to the ruins and whatnot. And then when I went in the bathroom, there was this little cha- this little Spanish lady who had this greasy brown paper bag with the top of it all rolled down and sheet of toilet paper in it. And she kept giving it to me, you know, Vente Cinco Pesos. No, I'm not nothing. I get in there, girl, I'm sitting up there doing what I do best. And I look around, I say, what is odd about this bathroom? There was nothing on the wall. I had to stand up with my drawers around my ankle. And she was standing right there with that bag. And didn't have a tooth in her head. With my big behind, I paid her enough to pay her rent for that month. Oh, you're a mess. I'm we, telling you, I think these crazy things that I put in the book, trust me, I've either done it, seen it done, or heard about it. Oh, There's my very goodness. little i got to make up. Before we go into Holy Mayhem, mm-hmm. uh, we have a question from the chat room okay. from uh, um, Dr. Deborah Willis. She says she she absolutely loves you, and she wanted to ask if you if you can you use one of her books to have a convention like her first book, Seven Things You Do and Don't Do in the Pulpit. Wait, say that again. Can I do what now? Can you use one of her books to have a convention 
like her first book, Seven Things You Do and Don't Do in the Pulpit. I'm not quite sure what she means by that. Yeah, let me ask her for some clarity. Yeah, because I don't know what she means by use a book. We use reference a book in in one of my books. Okay, we'll wait for her to. um, Okay. To do, and and then in the meantime, I'm going to keep it rolling. Um, Can you tell us about Patience Cash and Joe Carey? Joy Carey. Yeah, two two of the characters in the new book, (laughs) Holy Mayhem. Well, I tell you, I'll do even better than that. Why don't I read the synopsis on the back cover? Okay, all right. Uh, they've been laid off, they're broke, and their faith is really being tried. But dedicated Mount Kneel Down Baptist Church members Patience Cash and Joy Carey figure now is the perfect time to pursue their other true calling, becoming private detectives. And if that means putting up with their thug wannabe cousin Porky's delusions, while hilariously interfering with their famous detective godson Percy's investigations, it's still a heaven-sent opportunity to hear all the town dirt and find customers. When a thief steals the prize family Bible right out from under Porky's nose and church funds are missing on patients' watch, these sisters and God find themselves sleuthing out the strangest family and church secrets and up against someone more than ready to send them to their heavenly reward. Now, they're neither most inspired hunches, they're not real fierce dog felony, and they're licensed to missionary to uncover the truth and crack this holy case. Okay, okay. Uh, it, it, now, now for our, for our off-the-shelf listeners, I'd like to get them as much to, to whet their appetite. First of all, they, anybody who's listened to the interview so far can hear you are one funny lady. So I'm telling you, if you buy a Pat George Walker book, you are going to be laughing. Number one, you're going to be entertained, and there's a good message in in, in the story. Is Holy Mayhem, is it set in today's times? And I ask that, Pat, because Patience and Joel, they're laid off and they're struggling at the start of this story. Is it set in today's times? Yes, it is. And one of the reasons that I have it set that way is because so many people for the last four, five, six years, are struggling, they are being laid off, and their faith is being tested and tried. And so what do they do? Sometimes God takes us out of our comfort zone and places us in in a place where we have to struggle, where we have to learn, we have to blossom and grow. And sometimes the season that we're in is just the learning season. Now we have to come out of that season and do what we're really called for. And joy and patience had to learn to take their lemons and make lemonade by going out and doing what they really wanted to do in the first place. They always wanted to be detectives. Wow. Now, why does Porky, why does Porky have to have delusions? And what are some of the delusions that Porky has? And who is Porky in relation to Patience and Joe? Well, Porky first appeared in Sister Betty God's Calling You Again, and Porky was the owner of the El Diablo Soul Food Shanty down on Tomain Avenue. So Porky is still around, and Porky is Patience and uh, Joy's cousin, first mm-hmm. cousin. And Porky's establishment, as, you know, I'll call it for right now, but it's actually, a, you know, a hangout for high-class folks with low-class attitude. Okay. <laughs> you know, he knows some some high people, you know, some low places. I'll put it that way. Okay, all right. And he always wants to fit in. He's 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 overly delusional. You know, he can't half read, can't half write, but he likes to hang with the high and mighty and pretend that he can. Mm-hmm. And Porky has this habit when he's lying that his eyes become like traffic lights, like blinking traffic lights, <laughs> on and off, on and off, on and off. And he's known for having, you know, he's known for having what I call cornflake-sized dandruff on that bald head of his. <laughs> but oddly enough, Porky's son is Percy, who is a very well-known and famous detective, who happens to also be Joy and Patience's godson. Ah. So that's a family di- dynamic right there. Okay. And, you know, I love to write about secrets because families love secrets. And sometimes they tell them for good reasons or for bad reasons. Sometimes they think they're protecting right. the other. 
But secrets have a way of coming mm. most inopportune times. Woo! Oh my God! You! Oh my goodness! So that's you, why I love it in most of my books, secrets. Mm. Plus, I now know how, some jacked up families too, so you know. How, how long does Pat Porky live with patience and Joel? And well, just I, how up the wall does he drive this couple? He's there, I think, for two or three weeks. I forget exactly how long, but he drives them up the wall to the point where they just want to whoop his behind. Mm. And as a matter of fact, Joy has never gotten along with him because, as usual, sometimes grandparents play favorites. And by Porky being the only male grand, grandchild, their grandmama Truth kind of, you know, uh, took a particular shine to him. And when she left the family Bible to him, which was something that Joy wanted, it created a rift. Okay. Because I was going to ask you what what happens to make Patience, Joe, and Porky the, the different. What what made them choose different paths? Because Patience and Joe they're going like more of a, a positive path. Porky is any way he can get a hustle going to make some to make some money. And she kind of explained that the grandmother spoiled Porky. Porky. He mainly got to do whatever he wanted to do. Exactly. Like when he was a kid. So mm-hmm. that's the reason that he, he went down that path that he did. Now, in the course of their private detective work, and we, you touched on secrets, what what are some of the secrets that, that and, and Patience and, 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 and Patience and Joe, are they doing basically private detective work to solve like a murder, and then they they start to unravel some own, some things about their own family. Is that how well, they? Well, you couldn't be so far from the truth. <laughs> they just nosy. Okay, <laughs> patience, patience, and joy worked for the Pell the police department for many years, and they were unmarried. The two cousins lived together, and um, joy kind of heavy set, you know did the uh, maintenance work. She was a cleaning woman at the police station. And Patience, being skinny as a nail, wearing glasses thick enough to see, you know, the hind legs of a flea, she worked with a typist in the uh, in the uh, homicide department, in the, in the lo- homicide and uh, larceny department. Mm-hmm. But she always wanted to be a detective, too. And these two cousins, their pastime was sitting on the couch, munching on popcorn, and watching everything from NC, what's the NICS to to murder, she wrote anything that had to do with investigations, and they happened to receive their missionary licenses. And when you have a missionary license or a de- or a deaconess license or whatever, you are able to go into hospitals, able to go visit people, able to do a lot of things that ordinary church folks can't do. Mm-hmm. So when they decided that it, that they wanted to start their own private investigation uh, company, they used their missionary licenses to go and snoop in other people's business, trying to find somebody doing something wrong. And they figured church was the best place to start. Mm. What, what are... happened is they also oh they also have a uh, have their pet dog who's a mutt. I mean he's made up of everything, and his name is Felony. And felony is just as neurotic as joy and patience. Oh my goodness! And now, in, in felony the course, can't stand Porky either. Oh my goodness! Now, in in the course of their their detective work, quote unquote uh-huh. detective work, without giving the story away, can you tell us about maybe one secret? That, okay. That that um, they that they uncover about their family, the church, and town that they later mm-hmm. wish they had never found out about. What happened was when Percy, the godson, uh, was working on this particular case, he had some. He had his notes, his case notes and whatnot. And because Porky never went to church, never read the Bible or anything like that, he hid the notes in Porky in the Bible. The Bible ended up being stolen. So when the Bible was stolen. And the notes came up missing. The in the notes were clues that pointed uh, somebody in the church. Oh my goodness! And and the, and the same person in the church that it pointed to was someone who was after joy and patience. Mm. 
and patience was on the finance committee in the church, and monies ended up being stolen. Oh, my goodness. So it's kind of like in a circle, and it all leads back to that family Bible. But but the, the journey getting there is just crazy. And that's why we call it holy mayhem. I mean, these these two cousins, they turn Pelza upside down. Mm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and you know people probably do that. But they, oh yeah. This is the thing. But like like we were saying earlier, they don't know they're doing that. They don't know it. They, you start out. You you say you have these good intentions. I'm going to help clean up so and so's life. You get so busy in other people's lives, you don't really even know what you're really doing. I, who knows how many people do that? Their intentions are good, but right. they go they go about to do something that it, it turns into a absolute mess. You would hope that people would read books like yours and get that message that it just mind your business. Trying to solve a case, they're actually interfering with the big case that the federal uh, that the feds are involved in. With the godson. Mercy. Well, oh, what? and by the way, you know they are trying to see the president too. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because they love a good prophecy, and in one of the prophecy uh, uh, services that they went to, one of the prophecies told them that out of the book of uh, Judges, she says that, you know, um, Deborah sought the power, sought, sought counsel from a higher power, King Barack. And that's all they heard. So they think that Barack Obama... <coughs> As if the president didn't have enough. Oh problems. my God! Oh my goodness! Well, that's where oh. all this holy mayhem comes in. Well, oh my goodness! I, I got to tell you, is is it you are your, your books again? And I, I just noticed from reading reading some of your work, is is it natural? It's so funny. Is it natural and easy for you? To that's write that's the one part. hilarious scene that just that's you you didn't go to school to learn that you didn't no. it's not hard it's just something that comes natural to you because for off the shelf listeners if you read a Pat George Walker book it's just gonna go from one thing to the next I mean it just goes and when I read your work I'm like wow I wonder how much how difficult it was for Pat to write this just one scene after the next so that just comes natural to you it, it comes natural to me and, and I tell you once again. God is good. During my childhood, I went through a lot of trauma and drama and and pain and whatnot. And ultimately, when I learned to laugh, I promised God that I would not let go of my joy. Mm. So even when I was diagnosed with cancer, Denise, the same day that I sat in the doctor's office and she told me, you know, that I had cancer, I started laughing. Wow. And I went home and, you know, I prayed about it and I blogged about it on Facebook every day. I told a joke, you know, because mm. I realized something that it was never about me. Just like my stories, it's just a different type of ministry. It's just another vehicle to bring the Word of God. Wow. That's powerful. And, and, I, and I'm yeah. always mindful of that. So mm-hmm. when I... When I when I when I do humor, I do it for me and I do it for you. Wow, because I want yeah. you to know that all through your pain and everything, you can laugh. And what's the most awesome part about of it for me is that through all that I've been through, I've been in a fire, I've been blinded, I've been in a car wreck where I was so mangled they had to put these things on top of me to hold me together. I have been through all kinds of stuff. And, Denise, I laugh. And not only do I laugh, but I get paid to make others laugh. Yeah, wow. And you know, you that's see how a, awesome God is? Yeah, and, and, you, and, that's a, yes, and that's the story of so many comedians. I mean, how many comedians have they would you telling the comedian's story that that I've heard so many say, you know, through the, through, how do some, you hear these people's paths, even like with Richard Pryor, you hear their, and I know yours is a ministry, but you hear their, their past, their childhood story, and you're like, 
some people would never find humor in it and become depressed. The comedian, I, 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 it's, it's amazing what the comedian chooses to do with some experiences that other comedians people don't even survivors. think don't even think to do. Right, comedians are survivors. We are so hard headed and refuse to give up that we're we are the ones who are going to take those lemons and make the sweetest lemonade you ever tasted. Wow. What have readers and reviewers been saying about Holy Mayhem? Well, they 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 love it. Now, not everybody, because I don't know of any author that gets completely, you know, everybody yeah. loves the story, but mm-hmm. for the most part, they love it. And they love the new characters. And I enjoyed introducing new characters. And also, before I forget, I don't know if you have it on your list of questions or not, but you know Sister Betty's getting married. Ooh, oh, my goodness. But if you, if, for those She's who have, been wanting if, to walk down that road. <laughs> for those Good who have no ordinary Noel, they know that she was asked for her hand in marriage oh by Betty Noel. So the book that's coming out in August that I'm getting ready to turn in now is called Sister Betty Says I Do. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead, Sister Betty. Sister and, Betty. and can I read you the synopsis for it? Do, do that. Okay, it says, uh, an inspiring, devilishly funny tale of hope, secrets, and hard-knock faith that can make the most impossible situations right. For Sister Betty, the marriage proposal from trustee Freddie Noel is a -a once-in-a-lifetime surprise blessing. Unfortunately, she knows the chances of having a peaceful ceremony in their beloved Crossing Over Sanctuary Church are slim to none. But she's armed with enough sense and scripture to keep contentious church busybodies, Bee Blister and Sasha Prayon, from sowing even more chaos amid the congregation. Until a rehearsal, until a rehearsal disaster, and an unexpected secret causes Freddie to break off the engagement without explanation. While this no-nonsense prayer warrior needs all the holy backup she can get, her pastor, Reverend Leotis Tom, is desperately dodging temptation as Mother Prayon's wild child niece and Betty's young cousin compete to become his first lady. With her happiness, the church's future, and Tom's sanity on the line, Sister Betty will need to kick some spiritual butt, take name, <clears throat> and fight for some major soul-saving miracles. Ooh. Oh, that sounds like a good one. Because she has wanted to get married for some time now. That that's gonna be a that's gonna be now you said you 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 finished it already right you just yeah did. as a matter of fact uh it goes in Tuesday and for those who read don't blame the devil who just love Thurgood and Delilah they are in this book they're the sexy senior couple who don't realize that they ain't supposed to still be having sex so the people say oh, okay. Oh my goodness, Sister Betty says I do. It takes and, me back to the first. Oh. And not only that, but you know, Sister Betty hasn't had a lot of carnal knowledge herself, and Freddie Noel has had even less than her. So now you got Thurgood and Delilah trying to teach them, you know, a little oh something. My, oh mercy! Oh mercy! <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! You know what? I, as I was preparing for. Today's off the shelf show. I thought about this just popped into my head. I'm 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 doing my research and get my questions together, and I wanted to ask you: Have you ever thought about you you've done you you already take your show on the road, and you 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 used to be a singer. You promoted with companies like Def Jam, et cetera, and you you're just hilariously funny. Have you ever thought about creating a screenplay for your book? Oh, you I'm have, just, and and take I, them on I, to the, I mean, big, I, big, you, where you get a, 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 a several a, characters like Tyler Perry does. And I have a sitcom that I've also written. I'm just waiting, you know, I don't jump ahead of God. Okay. I wait for him to lead me because I found out a long time ago when I jump ahead of God, I usually end up with plan B instead of waiting for his plan A. Mm. My plan B never works out. Yeah, I, I can I can say that the same happens in my life. You just better wait, and you, you're right because he's still preparing stuff. So you just better exactly. wait without jumping out there too soon. But that was something I said. Oh my goodness, her books, Sister Betty, 
Yes. And and some of the other characters, I thought about Madea. I said, oh, people would love to see these characters on stage. And the, and the strange thing about it is that I created Sister Betty back in the 70s, long before Madea ever <laughs> came out. Mm-hmm. Wow. And when I first heard about Madea, it was from my doctor. And I went to visit her one day, and she said, you have got to see this play called Diary of a Mad Black Woman. And she had the they had the video playing out in the waiting area. And when I went out there, she she said he took he she says he took your uh, Marcel, you know the character Marcel. Mm-hmm. So when I went out there, I started watching it. Girl, I laughed, I I laughed till I cried. And what a lot of people don't understand is that Medea, just like Marcel, is representative of a lot of strong black women from the south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we none of us can lay claim to that character, whether it's Madea, Marcel, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, whoever the finish line first. Right, and it could be like you said, several different women rolled up in, in, into one. Now, before right. I don't, I don't want to forget because we have about just fourteen minutes left, and these shows go by so incredibly fast. But one of our listeners wanted to. I wanted to give you a website again, and if you could let listeners know how they can contact you if they if if uh, they want you to appear at an event, I, d- I definitely don't want to forget that. But Pat Pat's website is patgeorgewalker.com, dot com, and that's P A T G O R G E W A L K E R dot com. How could somebody reach you, Pat? I don't want to forget to ask the listeners' question if they wanted you to come speak at an event or something. Well, first of all, I need to clarify the name. It's Pat George Walker. Okay. Because if you say George, then they're going to spell it G-E-O-R-G-E. Okay, George. Okay. <laughs> no, thank I mean, you. They they can they can email Sister Betty at sisterbetty.com, and I will get, you know, the, their emails. Or when they go to the website, there is a form that they can fill out that will come to me. Okay. And I could, you know, uh, look at their requests then. So that's one way of doing it. They can also go on YouTube and see a video clip, because, you know, I do different characters. Mm-hmm. And there's one character that I do, her name is Sister Ivy the Ursha. She ain't no Usher. She's the Ursha. <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen you. you know and that's Ursha's another treat. They're going to never want to come back to that church again. Yeah, that people can get when they go to your website to see you. I mean, it's just, you do so much. You, I can't think of many writers who... Uh, present a story from so many different angles the way you do. Uh, you just are you're one of the few that probably you do this you do the stage, you do the comedy, you are incredibly funny and you write, you know, your books. Most people just write books and do readings, but you do so so much more. That said, I want to I want to talk a little bit for our off the shelf listeners who themselves are writers or want to be writers and they want to know how in this market where there's so many people, so many books published now, how can they start to distinguish themselves? You obviously do because you're so multi-talented. But for those who just basically write books and and, and publish and market them, I know you worked at uh, uh, Def Jam, Epic, Columbia, et cetera, as a a music industry veteran, and you sang yourself. How would you say that those experiences have helped you in your book career? Well, aside, Even though they're not the aside from singing, which I I loved because I you know I love the stage and performing and whatnot. As far as working promotion and marketing, I hated it. I really did, because it's a it's a situation where you that is so competitive that it causes you sometimes to lose your soul. But having said that. I realized once I got out of it that that's where God had placed me because I needed to learn certain things there. So that when I did the Sister Betty book, which the first Sister Betty book that I self-published was only 22 pages. Oh, okay. And that was Sister Betty, God's Calling You. Because what happened, or as they say, what had happened was I didn't know anything about the publishing industry, so I took it 
from the the from the experience I had in the record industry. You have an album. You don't release the whole album at one time. You first release singles. So I had all these short stories. So I was going to release them like you would release a single, which is why the first Sister Betty book was 22 pages. And I promoted it online and, you know, did what I had to do. And it was that little 22-page book that God blessed. And mm. got, and, it, and it went on to uh, for me to receive a contract, a major publishing contract from Kensington, which I've been with them ever since. Wow. So my oh journey my. is a little bit different. From most uh, authors, when you ask them how they got started, but I would say to those that are listening, for me, practice your craft. Okay. Learn what you can learn. The industry is a little bit different now than when I started. Because yes, you have, it is. <laughs> you know, and, and, and be careful who you who you you know who you talk to. Everybody is not your friend. And 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 the, and the but the book industry, I got to tell you, I'm gonna say in the last ten years, it has changed yes. to me astronomically. I I, yes. I it really has. And the same way the music industry changed when they started doing the streaming and the downloading, exactly. I, I, the book the book industry has. Oh my goodness! I, I I tell you, in ten years, it's like almost a, it's it's the same industry, but it's changed incredibly so much. People's mindsets have changed. The economy has changed. I mean, for me, for instance, my books used to always come out in the hardcover. And I had to convince my publisher to please put my books out in in paperback because I would go to book signings, and although I would do pretty good, people who, who, instead of spending the $22 or whatever it was for my hardcover book, we're buying two paperback books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, I, and, you, and my thing was, if my books are also being published by uh, Black Expressions, people who want a hardcover book can still get it. Right, right. So that's that's smart on your side uh, from a business sense. You have to be as an artist like writers. A lot, a lot don't want to do the business piece of it. I even yeah. hear people in the music industry, they don't. And that's when you, you hear about stories about people in the music industry selling millions of records and they don't they don't see they don't half of it. Because they focus on, they're not, they're focused on the art, they're, they're caught up in that, and they're not focused on the business side of it. I have heard that story so many times. You, you it's know not what is? The, the commonality between the music industry and the publishing industry is something called an advance. Yeah. And what people fail to realize that an advance is nothing but a loan. Right. You ain't going to get your money until they get their money. So when you hear these people talking about how they want a $100,000 advance and, and $200,000, a million dollars, fine. But you ain't going to see a dime until the publishing company gets that $200,000 back or that million dollars back, whatever your advance was. For me, I could care less. Give me, I know what I need for the year. Give me that. Sell them books so I can get my royalty checks and keep it moving. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and that's a, that's a very good tip you passed on. For anybody who's just entering or wants to enter the music industry, that tip could save them a lot of money, what you just shared. Or anybody who wants to get in the, the book industry, that's a valuable that's a valuable tip that people who are seasoned know, but somebody new may not know. So I'm glad that you shared that. How has the internet changed the way you market your books and connect with readers? Well, because I started uh, the first Sister Betty book on the internet, it has really been invaluable to me. the 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 use of YouTube and blogging. And also you have people like Ella Curry and yourself and Ty Moody who 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 are always out there trying to do whatever they can to promote the authors. That is a tool that cannot be replaced or and you can't and you can't really set a price to it. Because mm-hmm. the internet gives you access and crossover appeal to to so many people worldwide. Right. And especially with your books, because again, I think comedy is like music. It's a universal 
language, if you can make people laugh, I mean, that's something I don't know who doesn't appreciate that. Where can our off-the-shelf listeners, as we come down to the last five minutes, where can our off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your books? Wherever books are sold. And also, if they go to uh, my website, they can have access to uh, to information about the skits that I write because mostly all my books I've turned into skits. So these skits can be performed, you know, for your organizations or at your churches, you know, wherever. So there's information about that. But you can find my books and audio books as well as e-books because all my books are also uh, published in all formats. Wow, and that's a good thing. No, nobody have an excuse not to get my book. Yeah, because I hear so many people saying they don't like to they don't like to read or they're too busy. So do you have an audio book? And and again, I, your business yeah. sense, your mm-hmm. business sense comes comes through. This is somebody, Pat George. I hope I'm saying your last name right. Pat George Walker, uh, G apostrophe R G E Walker. She is. I mean, you, I've known of Pat for probably seems like ten years, and she's really really doing this. And you can see the many different ways that that she approaches, you know, marketing her books and sharing her stories with readers. You seem fearless, Pat. Do are you have you ever Absolutely. ever in your in your writing ever? You know, people always say you you mentioned coming out of your comfort zone. It's like you don't have one. You seem fearless. Do you do you feel that way all the time, especially as yes. we talked about the changes in the industry? You I do? Have felt, I have felt that way from my first hot flash. <laughs> what else could happen? <laughs> oh my goodness that that is something that as as for listeners who are writers here at Off the Shelf, I think it takes that to really start getting your work out there. And then again, you put yourself out there uh, with I, I I just think you are so incredibly blessed. And you said how you don't go ahead of the Lord, how the singing when you talked about even yourself and I and I listen to people on the show. You, you talked about loving to read as a kid, and then you started singing. You got the tools early on to get out there and get your stories in front of readers and to connect with them. And I, that, I'm sure, paying off for you now and will continue to do so. If you're on any social networks and our listeners say, you know what, I really want to keep up with her because we got listeners tell us how much they love you and your work. If you're on social networks, can you tell us, uh, what where, where are some of the networks that people can find you on? I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, they can contact Ty Moody or Ella Curry, or they can contact me, you. I, listen, they can Google my name. Okay. I'm like dog stuff. I'm all over the place. <laughs> and we've we given you Pat's website, and I want to give it out again. It's www.pat. P A T G O R G E W A L K E R dot com and you can like you say Google her. She's got some YouTube videos. You can see some of her work and, and if there's an organization that you want to come have her speak to or a church, you can look at some of her work, see what she does, and then reach out to her through her website to contact her through she said she's on Facebook and Twitter and some of the other social and media networks. You can also go to the Sister Betty website as well. Oh. Okay. www.sister.com. So they can okay. also go there. Okay. Now, since, uh, in August, Pat just finished her new book, which will be released in August, so you guys can be looking out for it. And that book Betty, is Sister I Betty do. Says I Do. Go ahead. What would you say? Sister Betty Says I Do. Yes. Then that will be out in August, so for off-the-shelf listeners, you can look for that. Pat, it has been such a pleasure. These shows go by so fast. It has been such a pleasure having you here with us on Off the Shelf. Thanks for the laughs, and thanks for just sharing yourself with our listeners here at Off the Shelf. And I know they are going to love, 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 love the interview as they continue to listen to it throughout the week. Uh, So thank you. Please go out and support Pat. Again, her latest book is Holy Mayhem, and her next book coming out, in August will be Sister Betty Says I Do. You can visit her again online at P-A-T-G-O-R-G-E-W-A-L-K-E-R dot com. And please go out and get a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me. I, I just thank you all for your ongoing support. And as I always tell you, you're so incredibly valued. 
so truly loved. You are absolutely amazing, and that is the truth. Thank Go you, out. Denise, and all the readers, thank you so much. And as Sister Betty says, honey, look, don't let water kill you all. You let them church folks help. <laughs> And and go go out and create a fabulous, fabulous day for yourself. Please tell your friends, everybody, to tune in to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. Thank you so much, Pat. I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>